You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, I'm Monica Bay. And I'm Bob Ambrogi. We've been writing about law and technology for more than 30 years. That's right. During that time, we've witnessed many changes and innovations. Technology is improving the practice of law, helping lawyers deliver their services faster and cheaper. Which benefits not only lawyers and their clients, but everyone. And moves us closer to the goal of access to justice for all. Tune in every month as we explore new legal technology and the people behind the tech. Here on Law Technology Now. Hi, welcome to Law Technology Now. This is Bob Ambrosi. I'm one of the hosts of this program, along with Monica Bay, who is a periodic other host of this program. We're on the Legal Talk Network. We're here today, actually at the Above the Law Academy for Private Practice Conference, so we're kind of recording live, even though we're recording it. Uh, and we're talking right now with a guest, Alma Assay, from Allegory Law. Welcome, Alma. Thank you, Bob. So, Alma, let's start by asking you to tell me what is Allegory Law? Allegory is a litigation knowledge management platform that I designed based on my experiences working at Gibson Dunn, where I was an associate for six years and really frustrated that the focus of litigation technology seemed just to be on e-discovery. And we were left with email, Excel, and share drives to manage our litigations. So I thought there had to be a better way and started working with some engineers to develop Allegory to connect all the pieces of the case. So everything from witnesses to issues, to your case documents such as filings, evidence, transcripts, and then also automate a lot of everyday litigation tasks that bog litigation teams down, like creating binders or creating exhibit sets or search. Well, I wanna get more, talk more about Allegory, but let me just kind of back up a little bit to what were some of the problems that you were seeing in the way that you were managing litigation before you got this? What was the problem that needed to be solved? Sure. Well, I felt like we were hitting a tipping point where the amount of evidence and testimony and filings was really getting to be too much at the litigation stage. So as the amount of electronic data exploded, of course, e-discovery came in to manage it. But as the amount of data continued to expand, even the amount that trickled down and was produced in a litigation got to be huge. And you may just be talking 10,000 documents, but at that stage, you don't just need to know that those are relevant to the case. You actually need to know those documents inside and out. So for example, the last case I worked on, we had over 5,000 important documents that we had to know and have at our fingertips and know the testimony about them, how they'd been used in summary judgment filings. We had to know all that off the top of our heads. And that's just not possible. So just as one example, you know, we would use Excel as smartly as we could to try to organize all this information. So we created a massive Excel spreadsheet with all the key information of the documents, did some creative coding of columns in order to be able to sort so there would be testimony right under the document. And then thinking we were very fancy, we linked a column to the documents on the shared drive and had this meeting with the partner where we were very excited because if he wanted to see a document in more detail, we could just click the link and it would open the document. And we started doing this and it would open the wrong document. And we were very confused uh, and later learned that if you resort an Excel spreadsheet, 
it breaks all the links. And at that point, you can't fix them. So we had linked up over 5,000 documents, and none of the links could be recovered correctly. So that's just one example you know, where no we problem, were just trying. Just them again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, we were trying so hard, um, but th there was just no tool available to do what we needed to do. Yeah. There are, there were other sort of litigation management applications out there. I mean, I won't mention names, but there's case map, uh, <laughs> other things of that right. sort. How did those not do what you needed to have done? Did you try those kinds of applications? Absolutely. So when I first started looking into this area, I had no entrepreneurial or tech background. So my inclination was not, oh, I'll go build it. It was, let me go find it. So I asked around and heard about CaseMap and called our lit support team and said, hey, can I try this tool CaseMap? And they said, oh, it's already on your computer. So I opened it up and tried to use it. For a non-tech savvy lawyer like myself, it was very cumbersome. And I really was dedicated to trying to learn how to use it. So even you know when I would get it figured out and get information in there, there's really no way to share that, for example, with the partner that I was working with, or you know, just have someone else open it and know exactly where everything was. You know, it's an organization tool where if you take the time to learn those tools inside and out and then put a lot of effort into getting everything organized and making decisions as to how to customize it and for your particular case, there's a lot of setup involved and you have to know your facts at the outset, which I think is a fundamental flaw there because usually you don't know all your facts until right before you're going to file your statement of facts. Then it may work for you, but it's very hard to share with the team and collaborate with people who don't know how you've set up the case. So the analogy that we use now is if CaseMap is a rotary phone and Allegory is a smartphone, then you're absolutely right. They occupy the same space, but totally different tools. So walk us through what you do. So for example, in Allegory, well, off the bat, Allegory is set up so that there's a place for everything already set up. So there's no customization or initial setup stages. I open Allegory, I start my case, it shows me where to put everything from motions to categorizing correspondence to my evidence. You know, it really walks you through how, what is the best practice for managing your litigation. And then once I've added materials to Allegory and linked things up, so for example, I can go into a document and I can not only tag the document hot or important or to an issue or a fact, I can actually go into the text. So no partner wants a 100-page document marked hot. So I can actually go into the text, highlight the key text, and then link that piece of text to an issue or a witness or a fact. I can also add notes just to that specific piece of text. Now, anytime that document is viewed by anyone else on the team, they'll get the entire context around it. Anytime that document is printed into a binder, you can automatically choose to have a sheet behind all your documents that has all that information. So you can see what witnesses have testified about it, what the lawyers have said about it in filings. You can search. It's like Google for the case. You can plug in a search term and get hits across the entire case at once. And then once everything's in there, I can share that information. So very often, you know, new people join the team. They may not know a lot about the case. They may not have never used Allegory before. And we have people who are immediately able to jump in. Oh, witnesses. They click witnesses. They find the witness name. Immediately, they can see all the materials that have been prepared relevant to this witness because those things are automatically cross-referenced as the team is building the case. Senior partners, for example, they may never use any other feature, but I've been in so many trainings where they may be in the back of the room on their BlackBerry, and then we get to the search function, 
and they love it. It's like Google for the case. No longer are they emailing associates at 3 a.m. saying, I think someone said something at some point about Umbrella. Where was that? And then the team's frantically looking and nobody knows what they're talking about. We've had partners who log in, plug in a search term, and because everything is in one place and we give context like hits, like Google, it's familiar. They plug in a term, they immediately can find what it is that they're thinking about. And so it's really that putting everything in one place, connecting the dots, leveraging everything that an attorney or a paralegal does so that it's available through any other workflow that they want to get at that information. So does it become sort of the, you, you talked earlier about e-discovery software and how there was nothing equivalent for litigation. So does this sort of become e-discovery software for the litigation phase of the case? I mean, do you transition from the e-discovery stage into allegory? So we do often get cases, particularly the first case we get, um, often comes in post-discovery, so right before depositions, right before summary judgment, right before trial when they can't find anything. But I actually think about litigation like an upside-down T. So if you think about litigation going left to right, the traditional practice of litigation all the way from the investigation through witness interviews, analyzing evidence, depositions, motions, trial, and then the e-discovery process coming top to down and feeding into that litigation process. So I think there's some people have gotten caught up in the industry in this idea that litigation starts after discovery. And that's just not the case. There's so much that happens before, during, and as documents come through the e-discovery process. So Allegory is built to be used from day one, the first day that your client calls you and says, we have this issue, here are the 10 key documents. Can you start looking at them? Can you interview witnesses? Let's put together a complaint. All that work product can be captured from day one forward rather than waiting until after the e-discovery process and then having to go back and find those notes in a notebook somewhere. Right, yeah, and I didn't mean to suggest e-discovery is one phase and then litigation is the next phase. I understand that it starts well before you've ever filed the case in the first place. But because there is such distinctive, as you say, sort of well-developed e-discovery technology, there's a huge market for that technology, it sort of becomes bifurcated, I think, in some people's minds. Uh, Absolutely. That, yeah, that you have the e-discovery stage and then you have the dealing with, <laughs> dealing with the rest of it stage is what it kind of, kind of comes down to. Right, and so Allegory is really built for that traditional litigation practice. It's not an e-discovery tool. We integrate with various e-discovery services. For example, we have a relativity plugin. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel on e-discovery. We're just trying to provide a tool that's actually tailored to attorneys and paralegals. So over 85% of our users are attorneys and paralegals. And have a tool that's built for them so that when the documents come through that triage e-discovery process and are identified as important, they're not going into folders on a shared drive, completely disconnected from everything else in the case, but they're going into Allegory and that way all the work product that the team does from that moment forward is captured and leveraged. So you're in the cloud? Yes. Where is all this stuff stored? We work with Amazon Web Services, which of course is an industry leader in providing cloud services. We have a member of our team who's solely dedicated to the stability and security of our Allegory environment on Amazon. So we've built a virtual private cloud. We have encryption at rest and in transit. We use multiple locations. As Amazon is about to launch in Canada and the UK, we'll be able to leverage the fact that they're deploying the same technology in these other countries to spin up instances of Allegory there as well. And who are your 
customers? I mean, are, are you sort of targeting larger firms? Does it matter what size firm you're in? Is it a particular kind of a litigation profile that best works with your software? Well, generally, they are cases where there are a lot of facts at issue. So if it's a strictly legal question with maybe 10 documents at issue, those usually aren't the cases where people are feeling the pain in order, in terms of being able to find the facts that they need. But we do work with firms of all sizes. So we're about split between litigation boutiques and big law. And I've always been passionate about the fact that even small law firms should have access to great technology. And this is a litigation tool. It's not a big law tool. It's not a small law tool. You have big law lawyers who have small cases, small law lawyers who have big cases. Um, so our smallest firm is two people, all the way up to we have several firms listed in the Vault 10 for big law. How do people pay you? What do you charge? <laughs> For the software, we have licenses by firm based on the number of users. So we have different packages, up to five users, up to 10 users. And then we have a knowledge management fee based on the number of files in a particular case. So up to 200 files per case is free. And then over that, we have tiers based on the number of files. And we charge for files, not gigabytes, because we want you to be able to add video and pictures. And you can play audiovisual files right in Allegory. And that's been a big hit for our clients, particularly with things like deposition video. So we're never going to charge based on gigabytes, because we don't want to be overcharging for those things. Yeah. What if I could just go away from the product itself a little bit and talk about the process of developing and building it. As you said earlier at the outset, that you really didn't have a technology background. Not or at all. I, I don't think even an entrepreneurial background, if, That's I, if I understood. So how did you go about building this company? So when I was a lawyer, I loved practicing law. I loved the teams that I worked with. I got to work on really interesting cases. Easy to say now that you're not practicing law. Right. <laughs> um, and my favorite part of it really was diving into the facts. And I realized that just knowing how to use Excel somehow made me technologically savvy. And we would implement really strict processes on our cases, but we still couldn't keep up with it it's all. It's sad so, state of affairs when using Excel makes you technologically savvy. I know, but it's true. It's true. Oh, it was it's surprising, absolutely but true. it was true. So I was just, you know, that classic, I was frustrated. I had a problem and I couldn't find a solution. And I made the mistake of mentioning it to a few friends. And um, I had a friend who said, well, I want you to meet my engineering friends. And so next thing I knew, I was in Brooklyn talking to these two guys. And I had never had any contact with software development or engineering. And When was I, this? How long ago was this all happening? This was in August of 2011, so a little over five years ago. And I remember telling them, this is going to happen. Just like e-discovery happened, this has to happen because we're hitting a tipping point where you just can't keep track of all of this. And it's the case critical information that you have to know so well. And I said, this is going to happen whether I do it or not. But it would be really cool to get there first. Yeah. And next thing I knew, one thing led to another. And we were developing this software. And I kind of learned as I went along that I was an entrepreneur building a startup. That didn't really occur to me until later. I just thought we were going to build software and you know, somehow thought, well, if you build this amazing software, it'll sell itself, um, which I guess <laughs> is a uh, thought that a lot of people have at first. And then you learn, no, you got to get out there and you got you to gotta learn how to sell it. Yeah. So have you learned how to sell it? I, I sure hope so. <laughs> um, no, we have some amazing customers, you know, it, yeah. particularly with Big Law. It was really challenging at first because every firm would say, well, what other big firms are using it? Yeah. And, you know, we all talk about in Big Law how 
one will follow the other. And so I just kept thinking if I could just get that one. And I wanted to say to them, well, if not you, then no one ever. Um, and then once we got a few big law clients, it became a lot easier, obviously. And now we have very, very happy customers who are, have been wonderful about serving as references. And it makes all the difference in the world when we talk to a firm now and we tell them, you tell us who you want to hear from, a partner, a paralegal, an associate, big law, small law, and we can find whatever kind of reference they're looking for who will talk not just generally, but practically about how they used Allegory to help them. How have you been financed? We've raised to date just under a million dollars. Ultimately, it was all individuals. I did try in Silicon Valley for a little while to raise venture financing, but I found it extremely challenging um, and ultimately decided that I was better off giving a go at trying to make revenue than I was continuing to try to raise money. So we raised $995,000, and um, I thought we would just build solely based on revenue from there. And then over the last year, I've seen the market shift. The way that I thought this will happen, indeed, firms are starting to recognize more and more that they need a tool like this. So it's no longer me going in and explaining to them why they have a need. It's more they have the need, and they're looking at Allegory as a possible solution. And I realized that we wouldn't be able to scale fast enough if we just kept trying to take on the work that we could handle with the team as is and grow incrementally. So we're currently going out and raising again, but by now I've met so many wonderful people in the legal industry who are as passionate as we are about bringing technology and better means to do things in the legal industry that we are raising money from individuals again, but these are individuals who have had success before in the legal industry and are really interested in what we're doing. I know I was just reading an article, I forget whether you wrote it or were interviewed for it, I think it was Thomson Reuters executive briefing perhaps, in which you talked about some of the challenges you faced as a woman in Silicon Valley trying to raise capital. I found that, I was, I was surprised frankly to read that because I, I guess I wouldn't have thought that was the case, but I mean, can you tell us about that? Absolutely, so I was very surprised to experience it. I felt. I felt very fortunate that when I was in New York working as a lawyer, I never felt treated differently for being a woman. Um, and in fact, it just didn't occur to me. And then when I went out to Silicon Valley to try to raise money, it was the first time really in my life that on a professional level, I consistently felt treated differently. And when I would talk to male colleagues, it's just our experiences were entirely different. I had instances of you know a potential investor calling me at 7 a.m. and leaving weird phone messages and you, know, you go into meetings and they make comments about your dating life when you're trying to pitch them to invest in your business and and the most frustrating part about it is you know you learn a lot as a young entrepreneur and you make mistakes and you try to fix them and the deflating part of that was there was nothing I could fix you know, there was nothing I could change about the fact that I was a woman. And there was this one week where I had some really disheartening meetings on that front. And then the next week, I was in New York at a meeting at one of the top law firms in the world in a room full of lawyers and the chief information officer at this firm. And I was treated with the utmost respect. There was no difference. And the dichotomy was just so striking. And it was about that time that I decided that I was better off just trying to make a go of making revenue and not spinning my wheels, just feeling completely deflated trying to raise money. 
Yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean, I, I live well outside the Silicon Valley bubble, but it's it, not what I would have expected. But so as you look towards going after financing in the future, I mean, what have you learned from that? Is there something you want to do differently the next time around? Well, yeah. So this time around, you know, we're really focused on individuals in the legal industry who are passionate about the space. You know, a lot of them used to be lawyers. So they're the kinds of people that I, the same kinds of people that I meet when I go and pitch at law firms. You know, they're just far removed from it. They may have gone and started their own legal innovation company and then sold it or partners at law firms um, who have been involved in innovation initiatives. So it's the kinds of people that I worked with as a lawyer. I'm not going out to Silicon Valley or anywhere else and you know trying to pitch big VCs. And you know it's not just the woman thing. It's also I think legal tech is a challenging market because yeah. it follows a different model. And I've had and investors don't tell quite me that. Get flat legal out. tech either. So just, absolutely. Yeah. And some of them, you know, I'm very grateful. They just spelled it out in an email. Said. I think this is a great idea, but we don't do legal tech because it doesn't fit our model. And I appreciate that honesty. Um, and it's true. So rather than spin my wheels going and trying to explain to them why this can be a success in a way that we agree doesn't fit their model, I'd rather find people who are really passionate about the industry and recognize the opportunity already. Yeah. So I know you've described allegory laws something kind of unique on the market. I mean, do you see yourself as having competitors? And if so, who are they? Well, you mentioned CaseMap before. Yeah. Uh, so CaseMap, Case Notebook are the rotary phone competitors. Right. Um, very often when we're being brought in, it's people looking for a change from those. In terms of modern technologies, there's a tool called Opus 2 Magnum out of the UK. And it was- Oh, I just recorded for this podcast recently. <laughs> well, there you go, so you know them. So it was started primarily as a depositions tool and really got built up in the UK by creating trial bundles. Um, so some UK specific aspects, and now they're expanding to cover other areas of litigation where we started with covering the full spectrum of litigation and don't do some of the deposition trial specific things that they currently do, although we will soon. So generally, if we're being pitted up against a modern tool, it's the two of us. Opus two. Yeah. What else would you like our listeners to know about allegory law that we, we haven't talked about so far in this session? I would say our team. My first non-tech hire was a man named Corey Barnes, who was the paralegal I worked with from the time I was a first year at Gibson Dunn. And this is a man who would work three days straight and not complain and just hustle so hard. And now he does that for every one of our clients. And I'm not only proud of our technology, but I'm so proud of our team. I mean, they all are very dedicated to making sure our clients are happy and helping them in any way that they possibly can. We all you know, on the non-tech side, we've worked with big law, we've worked at big law, we get it, we get the pressures. You know, when people are in trial and they need an answer at 3 a.m., we get that. Um, and I'm just, I couldn't be more proud. And I think that, as much as the technology, is why we're succeeding. What is the size of your team right now? 10 people. 10 people. So from you to a 10-person company and... And who knows what's next, right? Yeah, and it is Stay tuned. It is quite amazing to have a team around you. It's just night and day. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, Almas Asay, CEO and founder of Allegory Law, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for being with us. Same, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. And that uh, wraps up this session of Law Technology Now. Thanks for being with us. We're here on the Legal Talk Network. like more 
information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 